of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 275. Jason Lingren is with me, and we are running a pseudonym today to protect the innocent, which is not even funny anymore. Uh, and we will call our guest Jay. Uh, it's an interesting thing because over since March of 2020, I can't tell you how many people in the medical profession have contacted me, uh, people who are responsible for giving shots, just walking off their job. They've had enough. Other people, I can't work if you don't get jabbed. And it's getting to fever pitch. But it goes to show you that those that stand their ground and demand their rights are finding success. And that's what this is all about, this episode. Welcome, Jason. Good morning. So we're quite a bit in in front i think we're four or five recordings in the front so i can't imagine we have much to say not really we are uh recording on the day before thanksgiving so that'll be long past us by the time people hear this yeah yeah i can't tell you how happy i am on the 26th of december when all the nonsense is behind me anyhow let, let's do this so uh to make a bad pun welcome agent J. <laughs> thank you crow thank you jason uh thanks for having me on i appreciate it well, thank you for, for getting a hold of us. You know, it's great to run episodes where people find success. And so I'll set the stage here. We're going to go back to your, let's just call it medical training, because I don't want to put identifiers down because the people with fangs are always looking for blood to suck. We're going to start there, but let's suffice it to say that as we get in, you took a bunch of information from various legal shows. You wrote your own document which I'm hoping we can read on the air at some point. And it's just genius the way that you chose to do it. It's not even really an affidavit per se, but it worked a charm. But the way you worded that I think is so critically important because who can deny the underlying idea that you came up with on your own and added in, but let's start back. Um, some years ago you were finishing your schooling for the medical trade and you started to raise an eyebrow, didn't you? Yes. Let me uh, let me just start again by saying thank you so much for the the law episodes and really all you guys do. It's been um, it's been just an incredible education. I've I've been listening for probably about a year now, and I've just gotten so much value out of your shows. I became a subscriber, I think, about a year ago actually, because I, I liked what you were doing. I just thought I wanted to support your efforts. Thank you, you so much for that. Oh, it's, it's just been invaluable, really. You kind of helped me sort of uh, bridge the gap between what I sort of felt and and then I, I began having some actual knowledge. The feelings began translating into knowledge through your guests and the episode topics you were choosing. So really, thank you so much. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, it's a, it's a hell of a thing when common sense comes flooding in. I did it. Sounds like you did it. A lot of people do it and it changes everything, doesn't it? It's almost like yeah. seeing with new eyes. Yeah, it is. The world does become new all of a sudden and actually kind of exciting, uh, especially in these times. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Whatever we want to call them, there's, there's something else right now. In insanity. <laughs> where, yeah. where, where common sense does not reside unless you force it to, which is basically why we're about to do what we're going to do. But do you feel like it's a good place to pick up um, the training that you were taking so yeah. that you could enter, enter the medical profession? Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, so I, I really, uh, my, the program I was in, 
um, was, a was a very competitive based program. Um, I think they, you had to do a few years of science courses and then they would take your GPA and, and match it against all the other GPAs and they would select about 10% of the pool. So uh, I was, they, and they were great about making that clear when you stated you wanted to be in the, in their nursing program. So I understood I needed basically like a 4.0 GPA to get accepted into the nursing program. And so I really applied myself in the sciences and they were really interesting. I had anatomy, physiology, microbiology. Um, a lot of that training has helped me in my complete skepticism of the uh, pandemic that's been going on. I, I, from the very beginning, I thought this, this sounds pretty fishy. So I, I do, I'm grateful for the training I got. It was very good. So once I finished, completed the science courses that they had laid out for us, then I went into the nursing program. And about my third semester, we're going to talk mainly about vaccination on this episode. Um, they were dealing with labor and delivery and then the infant uh, care of infants up into toddlers and, you know, pediatrics and things like that. So I had watched a really brilliant documentary a little earlier in nursing school, and I'll, I'll just say it on air for the benefit of the audience. Maybe they want to go take a look at this, and it's called The Business of Being Born. This isn't specifically about vaccinations, but it does deal with the process of delivering a baby at the hospital. And I would recommend any of your listeners who are thinking about starting a family or adding to their family to check out this documentary. Sorry to interrupt, but it's telling you flat out that it's a business. Yeah, it is. It is. And it goes into the kind of the step-by-step and logistics of it. And then, and then at least you can go into this process knowledgeable because it, it is the whole labor and delivery is obviously a very intense process that you're going to go through in a hospital with a lot of people that you don't know that you're just going to meet in the middle of that process. And lots of decisions will be made. And as a, as a woman giving birth to a baby, you'll, you'll, likely not be in a capacity to slow down and, and make a, a rational decision. Things move fast, but the documentary is called The Business of Being Born, and I highly recommend it. And that was an eye-opener for me. So, so fast forward a, a few years, and now I'm in my, uh, in my training in nursing school for the pediatrics and the labor and delivery of the infant schedule. And that's when I became aware of the vaccination schedule. They they give you the vaccination schedule. You're not taught anything about uh, the vaccines or, or what's in them. Or There's no training on the vaccines themselves. We, As healthcare professionals, we know nothing about what's in that shot. I know a lot of doctors have confirmed that, and I can reconfirm that. They give you the, the schedule, the list of vaccinations, and you're tested on when to give what shot to the child. And I remember I, when I got a look at the list, I, I wasn't a mother at that point, and I had absolutely no idea that we were, at that time, I think it was 24 different vaccinate well, 24 total vaccinations that were going into a baby by 24 months of age. That was one a month. Um, I, and I remember thinking, wow, that's really aggressive. Two other things I learned from that schedule was that not all diseases they vaccinate you for are deadly. I, I was under that assumption. I think a lot of people are. 
you know, I would see things like chicken pox on there and stuff I had had. Have you actually had any reason to see that like an inoculation for chicken pox actually prevents chicken pox? I, I personally don't. This is my theory, right? Just based on what I now know about vaccinations. I think you, and again, this is total theory. I back this up with nothing other than just taking information, putting it together. And in the setting of chronic disease that we have in this country, which is what really is uh, bolstering the medical system, it's why you have a million specialties and hospitals are constantly adding on to their wings. And we have a booming healthcare system, which means the only way for a healthcare system to boom is if people are sick all the time. And chronic disease as a nurse is most of what you see. I think my theory is that when you inject yourself with these diseases, you now have a disease in your body that you can't fight and get out, right? And so it's always there. And so it's always kind of like a, a thief in the night. It's just always causing problems. I firmly believe this. If you don't get the vaccinations, I think that you will probably have a lower, much lower likelihood of suffering chronic diseases. I, I want to make a point here real quick. Everyone listening, we're not being rude to interrupt Jay. She's on a cell phone and there's a lag, so it's hard for us to get the questions in. But I think Jason has something. Right. How much about the thimerosal are we still seeing in all of these things? Because even I, about 15 years ago, after having a discussion with a general practitioner doctor, said, oh, no, they took that out. And I was like, oh, really? And I picked it up out of the garbage, the little pamphlet from one she had just discarded and read it right off to her. And she just shrugged at me. Yeah, I I don't think thimerosal's out of the vaccines entirely. It may go by a different name. That's a classic thing that, that happens. Names are changed. There might be a small modification to thimerosal. So it's technically no longer thimerosal and they can call it something else, even though it's still retains most of the properties of thimerosal. We should probably say that for anyone who doesn't know, thimerosal is a mercury-based preservative and is one of the big things that's linked to a lot of the Alzheimer's problems and all that because people are getting hit with this stuff over and over and over again in their bloodstream. Sure, yeah. I actually have a co-worker at work who suffered a severe injury from a thimerosal-containing vaccine, and I think it took him a couple of years to recover. We have examples of proof that, that the process for medication alone is not driven by any need to make someone healthy. One of the examples was outed when we had the painkiller epidemic, when they handed out painkillers for 20, 30 years like candy and then cut everyone off. What we discovered was if some big company made the Vicodin that everyone wanted, it was patented. So these other companies couldn't do knockoffs there is a patent point where the patent no longer protects them. And then all these generic versions of the drug can come out. So what they do, yeah. and we noted this firsthand, is they slightly change the recipe so they can repatent. So it's built right into the process. So you could ask from a legal standpoint, they're making a new chemical concoction simply so they can own the marketplace. And that was proven outright. And I don't think anyone needs to be told about how painkillers, like one of the main ones was, what is it, Oxy something, OxyContin or something. That actually came on the market using the excuse that these other painkillers are addictive and this one is not. When in fact, OxyContin became one of the most addictive 
drugs out there. So just so people understand what we're talking about here, if I'm following what Jay's laying down is they have all these medications, but damn near no training on what's in them. That's correct. A lot of things that we're giving to people, it's part of a, the standard of care. If you don't offer these, then you're in violation of the standard of care, which puts you at risk for lawsuits. I understand a lot of a lot of the standard of care is rolling off protocols and policies, and it's not these are not individualized to the patient. Vaccines are really a perfect example of that because that infant schedule of 24 vaccinations by 24 months of age is for every single baby. As they're doing studies now, and I think it's coming out now much more that this is actually a horrible way to approach a group of people with a one-size-fits-all approach, but it is largely how the healthcare system does things. Well, the other thing is when they're testing these things, there's been endless accounts of people want to see who did the tests, whether it was double-blind, whether there was an outside non-business-related venture involved in the tests, and what we found is it's pretty much a secret. And what we also found is a lot of cases where the very place who's going to benefit from the commercial marketing of these things is actually the fox in the hen house. They're doing the testing. They're gathering all the knowledge. And just to put a fine point around what Jay just said, think about 100 years ago when an infant comes into this world with the divine spark. They got natural water. They got natural foods. There was no GMO, none of this. And sure as hell, they were not getting jabbed with a needle once every month for the first 24 months of their life. And I would further state, and I've said this a lot of times, in my view, the age of the fish or the age of water or whatever the hell you want to call the age that we used to be in is ending on December 21st of 2020. We're going into a new age, which is an air age. In all the research I've done, this is an upward cycle and there will be amazing human beings with amazing abilities that are coming online. And I think we already see it. We see the children that are like child prodigies at music or art or math or any number of things. And I truly suspect, and as Jay said, this is just my theory that I can't back up with much more than experience and study, is that part of what these vaccinations do is try to quell these incredible human abilities that are coming online now. Yeah, I agree, I agree completely. I think if you just look back at, at history a little bit, for anybody, this is a little off topic, but for anybody who's ever driven across the United States, it's got to hit you at some point as you're crossing through like all the mountain ranges and then all through the desert. The people were doing this with no, uh, the engine hadn't been invented yet. This was done with horses and wagons and there was no convenience store to stop off and get a drink of water when you got thirsty. People were just vigorous. I mean, you, you had to be a different type of person than what we have now, I think. I really think the stock of people back then was very, very hardy. And you hear a lot of things when I speak with my family about this sometimes, they always come back to me and say, well, without modern medicine, people were dying at 30 and 40. And But if you read through accounts and history, people lived up until their 70s and their 80s, still farming their land, still just doing incredible things that it, it just lets you know, like, wow, people, people really do have a robust health system if it's not interfered with. And I, and I think the vaccinations get in there at an early age 
especially the infant, they don't understand the immune system of children and infants. And so you're already, when you get your first vaccination, it's within like 12 to 24 hours of life. Like you've taken your first breath and they hit you with a, I think it's a hep B vaccine. That was another eye opener for me. That, that's a sexually transmitted disease is what we call it in medicine. And it's, it's, you know, transmitted through sex or IV drug use. That was another eye opener for me looking at the pediatric schedule. I couldn't make sense of why a newborn baby needed a vaccination against something for behaviors that they were still years and years away from. So I got to jump in and ask here. So say a mother is in the hospital and she's wise enough to understand and has common sense that she doesn't want this happening to her newborn life and she starts to refuse them, what goes on? Do you, do you have any idea? I mean, is there pushback or do they just say, okay, it's your decision? Do you understand at all how that goes? So what I want to say to anybody out there with kids or anybody about to have kids is that you call the, you know, <laughs> you call the shots <laughs> to use a pun. You are in charge. Um, you're going to have to stand your ground, but if you don't want this, don't let anybody pressure you into it. And they will try, you know, they're going to test you, but ultimately they can't do anything that you don't consent to. You have to sign off on consent. So just read whatever you're putting your signature on carefully. And if you don't feel comfortable signing it, don't sign it. And that's it, you know, just make a firm decision and stick with it and keep your signature off of any paperwork that you don't agree with. I would, uh, it's great if you have your husband in there with you because he'll be, he won't have just delivered a baby. And so he'll be a little bit more capable of, of giving the pushback than the mother will. But uh, know that, like you have to know that when you go into the healthcare system, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do ever, well, that, period. That, that brings up another thing. I was there for a family member having a new son. I think it was within four or five hours of this new life coming into the world that they came in with the document saying, you got to fill this out so we can get the social security and we need a name. The young new life had not gotten a name and they were being pressured on the spot to give the child a name so they could get their doctor. (laughs) This was long enough ago that I was not as savvy as I am now, but now I'm also thinking, what if they would have said, we're not filling out any of those documents. We don't want a social security number. We're not filing some fictitious name with you. Um, have you ever seen anyone do that? Or are you aware of what would happen if someone tried to do that? That's a great question. I, I did work briefly in labor and delivery. I, I did not like it because so much that goes on there I don't agree with. And it is just heartbreaking with the little babies involved. So I was, it was a very brief stint for me there. And I realized I just couldn't stomach a lot of what went on in labor and delivery. Do you think it's possible for someone to say? I had no idea what would happen if you did that. I I had a friend that, so again, it's policies and procedures. So the hospital has to have this stuff on record before they can, I believe before they can release you from the hospital. And so they're, they want that stuff filled out quickly. I'm trying to think of how to explain this. Policies and procedures are just this big juggernaut. Like nobody's in charge of them. They just have to get accomplished. Everybody has a little goal or a little job to get this, you know, the whole band of policies and procedures 
accomplished. And so if you say no to something, and, and when we go through my vaccine statement, when I was saying no, I could tell I was shaking the system because nobody really knows what to do outside of the policy and the procedure. They just don't. Like, it's, it's part of your job, and this is what you're expected on, on our side. Get the name, get this, get that by a certain time. Because there's a, a, a window of time they plan to have you at the hospital for, and that's the window of time they have to complete, check all these boxes off. One of them would be the birth certificate. When you go against that, they're going to push back against you because they really don't know what to do outside of the policy or procedure. That's kind of an important thing to know. In the actual clinical staff, the people on the floor that you deal with, uh, the floor meaning the unit that you're on or whatever, they're not in a knowledge echelon where they understand a whole lot outside of the policies of the procedures. Does this make sense to you? So if you yeah, say no or you throw a monkey wrench in it, they're like, it's like typing the, the wrong code into a computer. It just, it's like, what do I do? It reminds me of that old movie where the dude's smuggling drugs out of Turkey and gets caught and all the crazy people are walking in a circle and he walks the opposite way and freaks them all out. They're saying, you're breaking the machine. Um, it's exactly yeah. like that because that's how corporation <laughs> accomplishes. The dead body corporate yes. uses policies, statutes, and it's a knowledge that is outside of the group of lives that are expected to enforce them. But I got to ask, so you're in training you see, oh my God, these young lives are being shot once a month for 24 months, the first 24 months of their lives, but you're not yet a mother. And so you could decline to answer this because it is personal. Later on down the line, you became a mother. Um, so did you opt into these things because you hadn't figured it out far enough or did something else happen or would you prefer not to address that? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll go a little bit down that road. So uh, yes, then you... Once you become a mother, this this really lands on your plate in a very real way. Any mother can attest to this. So once you become a mother, I did not deliver my kids, any of them, in a hospital. With my first child, I started to go the OBGYN route, but I it just was not a fit for me. Knowing the behind-the-scenes stuff about healthcare, I, I knew I did not want to deliver in a hospital with a bunch of strangers. And I understood that whatever my birth plan was, it was probably going to be thrown out the window because they had their policies and procedures that they needed to get through within you know these certain time frames. So I understood we were a bad fit. And I also knew that um, I didn't want to find myself in a situation where I'm having a baby and arguing with medical staff at the same time. So I took a huge leap of faith and went with it felt like a leap of faith at that time, but I went with a midwife and it was the best experience ever. Um, I would recommend exploring that option for every woman. I'm so happy I did not deliver anybody in a hospital. So I can't tell you from a fresh mom in a hospital exactly how that feels. I, I know from the nursing side, but I delivered my first in a birthing center and then the other two, I did home births which were fantastic. And I recommend that to anybody who may be thinking about that. So let's, let's jump in here and tie some things together that we've recently covered. So if someone yeah. went down the midwife road, and by the way, the story we're told is that the whole supposed witch trials things, basically what they were doing apparently was taking out midwives, getting midwives out of the picture. 
that was part of what was going on. But to get back to it, so you've got a midwife, you're not going to be in the immediate line for the inoculation madness. The other thing is the whole birth certificate juggernaut that would be within the walls of a hospital, that's now changed. I would point out, and Jason correct can correct me, I don't think we've yet run the episode. Um, KL is coming back, and I asked him point blank, if you have nothing else but a birth certificate signed by a doctor at the county, very important, county level. In other words, the doctor in the hospital signed this, not the state birth certificate. I cannot underscore this enough, not the state birth certificate. The local, in your hospital, what they call, I think, the county birth certificate. Certificate of live birth. Certificate of live birth. I said, KL, can you make a stand? And he said, all day long. So what we're saying here is if you went the route that Jay is suggesting, you would be immediately out of the inoculation problem line of fire for the moment anyhow. The yeah, whole, completely. The whole fill out these forms for Social Security and everything. The point I'm making is once you get the certificate of live birth or whatever the proper thing is, that little local signature that says a human life born live came into the world this day, you could go get a passport with nothing other than that. Um, so I'm trying to, to thread together the things we're learning. So I'll, I'll ask Jay, so that means that the inoculation thing didn't happen. And how did you deal with the whole birth certificate, which probably I'm guessing wasn't even on your radar at that time? No, it wasn't. Um, yeah, all the, all the kids do have the, the regular paperwork. It was funny. There was, we were interviewing midwives and I remember one of them, I'm not sure why she mentioned this maybe, but she, at one point during the interview, she did tell us that she did require that we fill out a birth certificate. And I remember I didn't, I, w- I thought it was an odd thing for her to say because I didn't have any intention of not doing that. I wasn't aware of uh, uh, the, the legalities of <laughs> what funny that though, who, is. Who the, hell, who the hell is she to require anything? of you. It was, it was interesting. I, I would, yeah, I pro- I'm thinking the state probably puts pressure on them. Yep. I'd probably a lot of pressure there. Yeah. It was, it was just a kind of a funny thing during one of our interviews. As far as the inoculations go, I can, I can say that with my, with my first, I decided to slow the schedule down. I didn't have as much knowledge as I have on them. Now you start going to these well baby visits, pretty much right away. And the well baby visit is really just an opportunity for vaccinations. The doctors don't do a whole lot of checkup on your baby, but they come into the room and tell you what vaccinations they need to give the baby at that time. And so I I was pushing back on those well baby visits. And again, moms out there, you're going to get a lot of pushback from the doctor, but you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. And don't ever, ever, ever let yourself get pressured into doing something that you feel in your, that you instinctually feel is not a good idea. I have to interrupt and I'm sorry, but I've got to make this point. Words have meaning. The movie titled that Jay gave you tells you they're in business. Now she just told you that they're going to have well baby visits. That's a nautical term. Everyone knows what a well is and they're going to tap that well. They're going to tap it, not with a Derek or not with a drill, They're going to tap it with an inoculation. So you have to switch your mind over because we've been trained to think, oh, well, I want my baby to be well. 
So a well baby visit is a good thing, but it's a bit like being in a courtroom where you think you speak the language and then all at once you realize you don't even know what language is being spoken. So we need to think about these things and I'll, I'll sun, shine some sunlight. Jay is here with us today because she contacted me, which means people within this industry are seeing the problems. And that means the nose of this jet is pulling up. How many more people out there are doing this? But I had to interrupt to make that point because the moment you said it, the way I think about things now is I instantly do the phonetics, I instantly do the word splitting, and I go down the road really quickly for any procedure or official thing that has a name or a title. That is the first thing I do. Sounds like is like, what do I know about this word? Do I know that? And with that one, it's simple. Well, what's a well? It's a hole you dig to get water that you're going to tap. But sorry for the interruption, but I think it's critical to make these points. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I, I hadn't I hadn't thought of that. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting point. And and it's true. That's that's the purpose of the well baby visit is just to give the child some some vaccinations. Again, moms, you don't have to do it. Just say no, walk away. They may threaten you with this, that, or the other thing. Just take it, you know, take it. Just take whatever shame or abuse they're gonna throw at you and walk out the door with your uninjected baby. You know, you can reverse it, you know, when they're trying to shame you and just simply say, who the hell are you to tell me anything <laughs> about too. this, this new life and force them to consider their little policy rant that they're on. Put it back on. Yeah. Show me. Yeah. Who, and, who, and, did God give you authority that I'm not aware of? Yeah. It, it's your job. It's, it's a mom's job to protect her child. I feel like as a parent, you're, you're there to take the knocks. Um, because the, the child's too small for that. And however you do it, you know, and, and I'm, I, I love it when people fight back at the doctor a little bit. And, and I don't want to, you know, sort of paint the impression of doctors as these monsters. I don't want to, to sound that way. At the same time, I don't really access the healthcare system. <laughs> I think, too, I was thinking about this this morning. So, Two doctors that I, I really, really enjoy listening to are Dr. Andrew Kaufman, who you've had on your show, and that's actually where I was introduced to him by listening to his uh, work on exosomes and uh, early on in the, in the coronavirus uh, pandemic. Um, and then Dr. Jennifer Daniels is another just fantastic doctor that I listen to, and you know, something that's, that's really interesting with these two is they're very common sense minded. I think they have a really uh, intelligent view of what healthcare has to offer. And then they clearly look into other alternative methods and remedies. I find their, their work really valuable. And they've both been kicked out of the healthcare system. And I think that's something to really take stock of that, unfortunately, some of the best people, some of the brightest minds in, um, you know, the human body and health are no longer welcome in the system, if, if you follow what I'm saying. So I guess that would sort of let you know who, who you can expect to some extent to, can, to deal with in the healthcare system. The people who are accepted in the healthcare system are following the policies, following the procedures, and when you begin to question those or walk away from those or try different modalities, uh, you, you may be shown the door, so to speak. I don't want to get off track here, but I'm going to make a quick point about the occult actuality of what's happening. 
right now that this minority, whoever they may be, is pushing for. This all comes back to Saturn. And a lot of people have problems because they think I'm bagging on Saturn. And that's not the case. What I'm bagging on is people who pull one portion of the spectrum, flip the coin so that the negative side is up, and then run with that nonstop 100% of the time. That's what's going on. Even the name of the pandemic, I can show you all day long why it is Saturnian. Pan, that's the old Greek god, half man, half goat. That is the sign of Capricorn going into the sign of Aquarius. And I can demonstrate these things all day long. In essence, what is going on is we're leaving the supposed Jupiterian age and it's being forced back into a Saturnian age. But the sun, how many times have you, like Rose just sent it to me. Oh, science are going to dim the sun to save all our lives from global warming. This is all about Saturnian negative ideas. And the only reason I'm interjecting that is for the people who are a little bit further down the road, it's really not enough to just word split. That'll get you there to understand there's something here that I should not just let float by me to make a water pun, but there's more to this. And the real thing is that is a world mind. That's what's going to get shaped out as the sun goes to die at the winter solstice on December 21, 2020. The sun's programming will die for that day, but there's so much more with it because we're ending an era. The transition period is behind us. Everything is new. Who can argue that a year ago we were in a different era than we will be in January? I don't think anyone can make that argument. But from the occulted provability of the idea of ages, the world mind is going to contribute so much to the, for lack of a better way to describe it, the reprogramming of when the sun and the conjunction that's going to go on on the same day, all that preps up for the new period. It is the world mind which does the lion's share of contribution, which is why we have all the fear and everything. And that's why I think it's critical to run stuff like we're doing here, where one person caught on, stood up, pushed back, and we should start to get into that. So basically what happened? as far as I can tell, and Jay can correct me, is she moved her family because she was going to get a contract for a new gig in healthcare. She started to get notified, hey man, you got to get all these shots because the whole world's in a Saturn-demic, a pandemic, a goat-demic that we're making up, and you got to have your shots or you're not getting the contract. Meanwhile, she's footed the dime for the move, footed the dime for rent to be employed. So there's the frame up, Jay. Pick it up, please. Yep, sure. So. I accepted a contract out uh, quite far away from where we were living, and I, I worked through an agency that that uh, secures contracts for me around the country. It's, it's known as travel nursing is what we do. And before I go with any of these contracts in the hospital, I submit the declination statements for the different vaccinations that they're requiring. They're requiring more and more vaccinations for healthcare workers now, and this has been something I've been watching for a few years now. So it's kind of a, a, I guess, a fight you could see coming toward you, a fight I could see coming toward me. And for a number of years, I was able to, to kind of skirt around some of the vaccinations. I, there were a few years where I, I couldn't get out of the flu vaccination. So anyways, here we are. It's August. I'm being offered a contract. It looks pretty good. So I submit the uh, the hospital lets me know what they want for vaccinations, and I submit 
declination form. So I'm, I'm still at home. I haven't moved or anything like that. And I submit the declination forms, which are provided to me by my agency, just so that the hospital is clear on my position. And so if they don't want, they can say no at that point. This contract hasn't been signed. And then we're not wasting each other's time. I submit the declination forms. The hospital says, okay. And they, we put the contract forward. And so now we're driving out to a different part of the country, quite far away from where we live. And we have to set up housing. I travel with my family, my kids and my husband, and we've got to set up the housing and all that stuff. So it, it's kind of an, a, a large upfront cost. So I get out to the contract and I'm working the contract for I'm probably about eight or nine weeks at that point. And then I get an email that they're requiring the flu shot. And I emailed them back and I said, no, you have the declination that was already worked out. It was about the end of September that they said they wanted a flu shot from me. And I emailed them right back and said, just check the declination form. About six weeks goes by and I get an email again. And this email says that we're requiring you to have a flu vaccination and you need to have it on record by tomorrow. And I got the email at like 8.30 at night, you know, less than 24 hours of notice to go get a flu shot. And they said, or you could provide us with uh, a note from a doctor that says you, you have an adverse reaction to the flu vaccine. And they said, do you have a note from a doctor? So we're, we're all the way out here in some other part of the country. And uh, we've put up a lot of money for rent and stuff. And I couldn't believe that this issue was coming up. Because we were, you know, kind of out on a limb, so to speak, financially. And if they canceled the contract, it'd be pretty, it'd be quite economically damaging to my family. And I didn't have a doctor's note, but I, I'm hesitant to get doctor's notes or pastor's notes or anything like that. I really would rather not go down that road of, of someone else doing the talking for me, because I see that that's a door that, that's been left open in this whole vaccination issue, but it's being left open by the people who are behind the vaccination issue. So they could close it at any time. It's sort of, you know, they're in control of that door, if you will. And I'd rather not play in that arena if, if I don't have to. So I started thinking back on the law episodes that I'd been listening to and I, I th again, thank you so much for those because I realized that I, I could probably speak for myself on this one. And so I talked to my husband about it and uh, we decided that we were going to stand our ground on this one and just continue with our no because we had a contract signed with the hospital and all terms had been worked out at that time of contract signing. And so the hospital really, in my view, wasn't able to start changing terms in this moment, you know, mid-contract. Was the contract signed at that point? Had the contract already oh, been yeah, signed? Oh, yeah, we were in, we were in, yeah, we were nine weeks into the contract at that point. Uh, we were well into it. So this was, I mean, really hit me from left field. Well, that's a total breach of contract then, and you're in the right period. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, among other things, um, just if you had not understood, I can stand for myself and remain in honor, what Jason just said, this could have been defended six ways to Sunday because that's changing, that's moving the goalpost after the agreement's made. But anyhow. So uh, we, we kind of emailed back and forth with work, 
explaining that this had already been worked out and uh, that we were standing with our declination. And so then they began threatening me with, I think the exact wording was they're going to remove clinicians from the floor who don't have their vaccination on file. So now I was having a direct threat to my job. So the stakes were pretty high. If this contract got canceled on us, we'd be out thousands of dollars. And I, I realized that uh, I was just going to take some of the past that I had learned in your shows. And then I also have been a listener of Owen Benjamin for a while. He's also been quite valuable. Owen, if you're listening, thanks. I really appreciate all your work too. And one of his big statements, and this is sort of was our foundation, was that they need your consent to go forward with these agendas. Like you have to, they need it from you. They need you to say yes to things. And so we just decided we were gonna, we, we were gonna say no, they were not gonna get our consent. I also felt really strongly that if I didn't make a stand on this, I, I can only imagine if we don't start making stands, what my kids will deal with when they're adults. I have this sense that when a fight comes to you as a parent, and don't look for fights. Don't go out poking. Don't look for fights. But if it comes to you and you don't have any other options and you have to fight on something, do it. Because if you don't, your kids will have to do that when they grow up. And that thing, whatever it was, will have had all those years as your children were growing to get bigger and stronger. And so it's more of an uphill battle for them. So parents, when you need to, when you need to fight something because you know your kids will be dealing with it in their lifetime. If you don't do something in yours, do it, do it. Don't leave your kids with, with bigger battles to fight than they already are going to have. And so my, my husband was great. He completely really, he supported me on this and he backed me on this. And so I emailed back and forth a little bit with my job, trying to figure out if an affidavit was the best way to go. I was uh, emailing with my agency to find out who had submitted my vaccination declination, you know, who had received it at the hospital, the times and the dates of that. So I, and I couldn't get any information out of anybody about it. Uh, they were pretty tight-lipped. So they kept coming back at me with a doctor's issue in the past. And my recruiter began to call me and I could tell she was on my side as far as the vaccination went. And yet at the same time, she was really worried that I was going to lose the contract. So it, it went on for about 10 days with incessant emails about getting the flu shot or the doctor's note. And I kept saying, no, no, no. And around the 10th day, I said, give me three days and I'll submit a statement to you folks and take it or leave it at that point. So I sat down and kind of collected my thoughts and, and I, I, I prayed on this one too, because I knew the words were going to be really important. And then I put together a document and we submitted it. I'll read it for you. Okay, hold hold on. Before you read the document, let me make a couple points. We're going to get, uh, and by the way, this document she's about to read is proof of a beautiful mind that came back to common sense. When you understand how she put together the various ideas we put in law, put it together in her own way, and then added what I consider to be the coup de grace. But let's just for a moment back up. You submitted a declination when they said, you got to get these shots. You declined. Does everyone understand the language? To submit a declination is basically to decline. What defines the low point of the sun at the winter solstice? 
In astronomy, it's that low point is called declination. Are you following? Now, just so there's a occult overview for people who want to understand why all this black nonsense is going on, it is considered that Saturn is the furthest away from us. And when there were only seven so-called planets observed, which is what I use to assess by all the older ideas, it was the furthest and the highest. In other words, it's declination, which wouldn't even really be there. It's ascension would be above all others in that view. And so I know it seems far-fetched what I'm pointing out, but she was actually had to put a declination in, which is the very word that will define the low point of the sun. There is nothing that goes on in our world when you take it to the top outside of corporate policy. Why is any of this going on? And this goes back through time. But anyhow, let's get the document you wrote on the record, because I think a lot of people are about to benefit from this. All right, I'll go ahead and read it out for you. I, I chose the language carefully. I, I think if your viewers have been listening to the Law Series, they're going to recognize a lot of this. I, I call it a statement of declination for offer of influenza vaccine product. Uh, I call it a product, a vaccine product. I think vaccines have this, it's almost like a psychology to them as though they're something more than they are, but they are a product. They're produced in a manufacturing plant somewhere, and so that. I wanted to make sure that it was aptly named. Statement of declination for offer of influenza vaccine product. All right, man. Um, we had to take a break for reasons that are outside of our control. So we're going to do the wrap on hour one. When we come back, Jay is going to read this document. And basically what she's done is carefully gone through, even being careful to call the flu so-called vaccine a product, identifying it as an offer for a product but there's so much more in the readback. And by the way, it's not really per se an affidavit, um, though it could be easily made into an affidavit. But the point she makes for a human mind to read that and not understand for me to push back on this is unreasonable. That's where the real genius of this comes in. So join us for hour two. It may not be a full hour. This may be a 0.5 episode of episode 275 with Jay, which is a pseudonym, and Jason Lingram will be back. Join us at crow777radio.com. Actually, this can't, none of this can run on social media, so you will already be at crrow777radio.com if you are listening to this. Um, hour two will run for members, and we were going to try to get it all in, but um, the cards fell how they did. We had to take a break at the point we're at. So there it is. Join us on the other side to hear Jay's, maybe to say Agent Jay's, account of the document she created, which, wait for it, was a hundred percent successful, not even affidavit. And I suppose people could argue, as Jason rightly pointed out, the contract had already been signed. So this is a bit like breach of contract, where they're still trying to worm their way for a person who wouldn't understand that the contract was that was already agreed to was being breached. But there it is, man. Join us on the other side for hour two of episode 275. I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded year ahead. I'm not sure when this will run, but the era that is about to end is going to end, in my view, on December 21, 2020. There it is, man. Cheers.
Belief is the enemy of knowing.